Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time nine-year survivor of breast cancer, and I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started with our guest today, I wanted to remind you listeners out there that I am putting together Warrior Stories episodes. In two weeks, on July 28th, I will launch the first episode of these Warrior Stories, so take a listen. But if you want to send me in yours, I would love to do another one in a few months. So email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org with your stories of inspiration, what helped you through your cancer journey, or how your life has changed for the better since cancer. Submissions should be about five minutes long and in your own words. So let's get started. Today, I'm so thrilled to have Jill Anderson here. She's a trauma recovery and trauma-informed life coach. She's a third-generation Oregonian and graduated from Portland State University. She has been a certified life coach for nine years and recently realized It is really necessary in all of our communities to learn how to properly deal with trauma. And that's something that most of us just don't really have enough experience in. Yes, we have trauma, but we're kind of faced with the, how do I deal with it and all the emotions that come with it? A few months ago, she led a workshop for us in our metastatic warriors group on emotions and trauma. And I know it was so appreciated. So I knew I had to have her here to share all of her knowledge with us today. So welcome, Jill. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Yes, um, my husband and my son and I live on top of Shehala Mountain in Newburgh. It is just a beautiful area. I am a trauma survivor myself, and I am really passionate about helping others. Like you said, I graduated Portland State years ago. Go Vikings. <laughs> and I have multiple certifications, including advanced certification for trauma recovery coaching and brain spotting. I'm really excited to be part of Dr. Peter Levine's three-year program with the Somatic Experiencing Institute, which just adds more ways to help. Sorry, I had muted myself and started talking. Um, I'm not familiar with brain spotting. Can you kind of tell us quickly what that is? Yeah, brain spotting has to do with we store traumatic memories in our brain And based on where we're looking, we can access those. And so this just really helps pinpoint the specific area in the brain where trauma is stored. That is fascinating. And it's a beautiful, yeah, it's a beautiful way to release without having to really, you don't even really have to talk about it. You could just think about it, which makes it even more gentle. That's amazing. I'm really not familiar with that. So it's great to have those techniques to be able to help people like that. And I know you and I had talked previously and you made some kind of career changes early in the COVID time period. Can you tell us why and how that came about? Yeah, early in the pandemic, I had a conversation with a girlfriend and she was talking about her two daughters who were pulled out of Pacific and Willamette universities due to COVID lockdown. And she talked about how angry they were about that and that they felt like they were being punished and they had done something wrong. And it really occurred to me that that's that kind of anger that doesn't get talked about in our society. Mm -hmm. And not only that, we don't even know what to do with it sometimes. And so we just shove it down and it may come up years later 
And we go, oh my gosh, I wish I would have taken care of that way back when. So it really kind of was the tip of the iceberg, if you will, for what this was going to do with lockdown. And as we continued on, I could see the isolation and especially with our kids, Mm -hmm. teenagers' brains are hardwired for social connection. Yes. And so while we're telling them, you know, you should be happy because you're safe and at home, they are happy and they are safe, but they're also missing a really vital part of what they need Oh, biologically. Social, yeah. The social interaction for teenagers is, is insane. Just the constant, the, the togetherness, the need for connection and validation. And when, when lockdown happened, we're, you know, we're telling everyone stay at home, stay with your immediate families, be safe. But it's, they're, they're like, no, I, I need my friends. I need my, my significant other. And yeah, it, it, I can imagine. Thankfully my, my, my teenagers, I have four older stepkids and they um, they're older and they're past that point now where they would, wouldn't understand. But man, if this happened a few years ago, when I had two of my stepkids living here in high school, I would have lost my mind because it would have been constantly stay home. And they would be like, no, and it, it would not have been pretty <laughs> because we don't know how to deal with that anger and that frustration. And we just bottle it all up inside. Yeah, the pandemic has been a a disruptor and people think of disruptions as a minor setback or a minor alteration in their course, but it's not, it's it's permanent. It changes things and it, it leaves this indelible mark that now we have to navigate around. And that's what's really amazing about, I love working with teenagers because their, their minds are so quick and they, um, yeah, they just have a beautiful way of viewing the world. So, so I love that. And because it's, it's funny because mostly when we talk about teenagers, we're like, Oh, you know, they're, I, I would always joke when mine, my stepkids were living here. We're like, Oh, teenagers are crazy people. And they are a little bit because their brains are still developing for so long. And we kind of forget that. Um, but let's start to really dig into trauma. And I think some people have ideas about what trauma is. And usually I think, Oh, it's the big things like a cancer diagnosis or a death of a loved one. But it's so much more than that, I imagine. Yeah, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's easy if we go back and we kind of look at definitions. And one definition of trauma is it's a deep, deep wound that has distressed us and it lives in our body. And another definition can be found with the First Nation cultural knowledge that it's a disconnection between self and spirit. So the spirit has left the body or been jolted from the body and, um, the, the work then becomes about bringing the spirit back. Dr. Peter Levine, who I am now doing studying with, says that trauma originates as a response in the nervous system and does not originate in the event. So my focus is on restoring a natural sense and, or a natural rhythm to the nervous system. And so those are, that's generally the, the easiest way to start the conversation about trauma. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that when I, after my second cancer diagnosis, I did therapy for quite a while because I needed to be able to speak to someone. And she would always ask me, where do I feel it in my body? And it, for me, it was always in my stomach and I could just feel that, that anxiety and the depression and all of those things just bottled up right there. 
And if we don't deal with it, I know it just, it just builds and builds and builds and then we explode, which is definitely not a good thing. <laughs> no, no, it, it's not. And what, so different types of trauma, obviously I mentioned like a cancer diagnosis and a death, but can you give some other examples? Cause I'm sure people experience this a lot and they just don't realize it. Yeah, there are. And, and before I get into that, I'd quickly like to just acknowledge that talking about trauma can be activating for some. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to, yeah. So I just want to really invite the listening audience to check in with how they're feeling. Like mm-hmm. you just talked about that stomach, you or that feeling you get in your stomach. Mm-hmm. And so to really just notice how they're feeling and to have something that is comforting with them. So maybe get a cup of tea and use your favorite mug, maybe get a nice soft blanket, just I something have- that I have my yes. rose quartz here that I, I hold on to my rose quartz that was given to me by um, one of my best friends. And so I keep it here with me for whenever I'm having issues and it's very calming. Yes. And those are so important to have those, those things, those items, those thoughts that give us that felt sense of mm-hmm. calm or our nervous systems being in a calm state. But the types of trauma, there's either environmental, like an earthquake fire, or it's interpersonal, meaning in in some form of relationship. And the interpersonal trauma is since it happened in some form of a relationship, the healing has to take place in some form of relationship. And that's why when people say, you know, I'm just going to work through this or muscle through this, it really needs to be in a safe setting. And support groups like Breast Friends are an amazing opportunity to have that safe setting. And it may be with the therapist, it may be with the coach. It's however they find what works for them, basically. So what would this, what would the differences really be between a standard therapist, like who I went to and yourself, who's a trauma recovery coach? One of the easiest ways to describe the difference would be, um, I like to use a, a medical example. And if you were in a car accident and you had to go to the ER, the ER doctor is going to check you out and see if you have any broken bones. He may prescribe some pain meds, and then he's going to send you home and say, call me in a week if you're not feeling better, or go see your regular doctor if you're not feeling better. And a couple of days later, you're going to have aches and pains and go, you know, I don't really need to go to the doctor. I think I'm going to go see my chiropractor. And so in that example, the therapist would be the same as the ER doctor. They can prescribe meds. They take care of really big, you know, if you have major depressive disorder, suicidal ideation, any things like that really need to be with a therapist. And I would be more akin to the chiropractor. Okay. I need to need you to be at a, at a stable ground zero, and then we can work from there. But when I say healing occurs, I'm not suggesting it goes away. Mm -hmm. And another beautiful example is the Japanese have a a process called kintsuki. And it's where they take pottery, broken pottery, and then they infuse it with gold. And the idea being that they, they use the, they work with the flaws and the imperfections, and then they build a stronger, more beautiful piece of art. And so that's a lot what dealing with trauma is like, Mm -hmm. because we're not ever going to take that away, but we can infuse back a sense of a felt sense. And that's what we're really going for. It's that beautiful piece of art. I love that. I can completely picture that. And now I kind of want to go break a piece of pottery and put some gold in it and make it up again. (laughs) Um, 
a gosh, a month or so ago, um, I had a, a guest on and we did, we talked about nature and I think the Japanese just have some really amazing things. And we talked about forest bathing, which initiated back then where that you go out to the forest and just really become one with nature and appreciate all that it has, which, you know, another, another way to work, work through things. So I, I definitely, uh, need to do a little bit more research on all of these things. Now, we had talked previously, what's the difference between big T and little t trauma? Uh, people like to use big T traumas and little t traumas to make a distinction. And big T traumas are, are the events most commonly associated with PTSD, including war, natural disasters, violent crimes. Little t traumas are the really interesting they're highly distressing events that affect individuals on a personal level, but they don't rise to the big T category. And these might be emotional abuse, non-life-threatening injuries, death of a loved one, or even a pet. And here's where it ties in with cancer is that 80% of women have PTSD symptoms after a single breast cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's how those all affect us and it ties back into what our previous life experience has been. There's so many, so many moving pieces to it. Now, what would be the difference in, in helping to heal or treat the difference between the big T and the little T? Are there any, or are they kind of the same steps? Uh, They would be similar steps. It just depends on, you know, again, the like Dr. Levine says, it's not in the event, it's in the how it lands in the nervous system. So ultimately, we're going to be trying to restore a felt sense of safety in the nervous system. Got it. And well, if I'm, I'm looking at your definitions, and to me, like, say the death of a spouse, that would, for me, that would end up being a big T, even though it's not, you know, because that would be like my whole world, even though it's not like the catastrophic life, you know, out external event. And I mean, I understand the distinctions, but, you know, something like that for me, and I'm sure for many would be, you know, life altering, obviously. So definitely a lot of, lot of healing could come from need, would need to come from that. Yeah. And there's a lot of subjectivity that goes in with that. And again, it's, they're, they're used generally as distinctions, but what, what resonates for me as a big T might for someone else be, you know, not, and sure. you can have, you know, you can have two people seated next to each other on a roller coaster. And one person is so excited because they love roller coasters. And the other person is, you know, gone from a pale shade of white to now almost green. Mm-hmm. And, and they're going to have vastly different experiences So there's no one size fits all for categorizing. That makes sense. Now, from a trauma recovery aspect, how would you deal with getting a cancer diagnosis? Because I'm sure a majority of our listeners have dealt with that. What, how how would you even start that process? Oh, yeah. And again, just asking the listeners, checking in, how are you doing? Yeah. And no one's ever ready to hear those words. It's, a huge hit to the nervous system. And I know personally for me, sorry, just, um, I, I remember being in that room. Um, and actually, well, I've, I, the couple, I got both of my diagnoses at home via phone calls and I was alone at both times. 
So, and, but I literally, I still remember that feeling in my body where it's like all the blood just rushes out of your system and you start to sweat and you start to shake. And it really is a, not even so much a mind thing, but it is a body thing. So sorry. I just, I just, I had a flashback. (laughs) No, no, I'm glad. Thank you for, thank you for interjecting that. Because like one thing you could do right now and your listeners could do this too with us is just scrunch up your shoulders really tight Mm -hmm. and then just slowly release them. You can do a deep breath. You can do that two or three times. And it's just, it's just slowing it down. And so from a trauma recovery aspect, that's what I do is that helps down-regulate the nervous system. And really, that's all anyone on the outside can do. You know, for that diagnosis, you need those specialists. You need all those doctors. You need this huge team. But ultimately... You know, it's, it's how you're stepping into it and, you know, the, the self-care that goes with it. We're going to touch on self-care a lot today. Good. I love that. And it's, it's funny. I don't know if you noticed my glasses have fogged up because when I talk about something stressful like that, I have a hot flash. So it's, it's really funny how it triggers all these things in my body. And like, I can barely see right now because I'm so fogged up. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, and this is, I'm four and a half years out and it still can bring that response back. So obviously I have not dealt with it properly. <laughs> um, oh, there's no, there's no proper about it. It's, and it, it's, it's a process. It's a huge process. And, you know, and I just am really honored that you are sharing this moment with me. And, and again, you know, just, you can even put your hand on your heart, your hand on your forehead, and that just helps regulate because it's just sending messages back and forth. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm holding my rose quartz and, you know, trying to breathe and I have a fan underneath my desk and, but it's, it definitely certain things can talking about it can be very triggering. So I appreciate you, you know, reaching out to the listeners too, and, and just reminding them how to calm our bodies. And because even something that is years past, that's such has, has such, such an effect on your life can just bring it back. And, so I think that's, it's really important to be able to talk about things like this with someone such as yourself who has the experience in helping people heal and recover. And yes, it is a process. And, um, but I think and we really don't take enough time in our society to talk about these things because especially with cancer, um, you go through treatment and a lot of times people look really sick and then yeah, especially if you have chemo and you lose your hair and then, then you get your hair back and you're, you're looking a little bit and people are like, oh, you're fine. And I'm like, well, I'm not fine because even though you can't see on the outside, I might look good, but on the inside, I'm still really suffering. And so that's why we need people like you out there to really help us through the process. Yeah, it's, there's many, many layers. I agree. Kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion. I'm sure I've heard that analogy before in, in terms of getting to the root of things. But unfortunately, we do need to take a quick break, but stay with us and we'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. 
You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck, and we've been talking with Jill Anderson about trauma and the emotions that go with them. So, Jill, we were just talking about the trauma that comes with the diagnosis. How would someone deal with the loss of kind of your loss of identity when you go through a trauma like this? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And we change our identities several times during our life, naturally, going from a child to an adult, when we get married. And even if we don't change our name, our identity is that we're married. And those are all expected for the most part. and They're welcome rites of passage, if you will. Cancer is a form of crisis and it creates confusion and chaos. And we start to question a lot of things that become really important. Some things become really important really clearly. Cancer is not anticipated. You're suddenly navigating what this means for you and life. And you come up with questions. What am I supposed to do now? And it feels like you've lost the person that you were. Mm -hmm. And again, there's no getting over change and loss. There's only getting through it. And this goes back to educating ourselves, learning as much as you can, finding out what's going to help in the present moment Mm -hmm. is really important. And after the initial shock, then there's more time to think about what you want to do, who you want to be. And the antidote to anxiety is always curiosity. So getting massively curious about what do you know for sure? What do I need to do right now in this moment? And like I mentioned, the pandemic has been a disruptor. Cancer is a disruptor and it Mm -hmm. alters who we are, everything in our life permanently. And so it's having to reevaluate that. And that's, that's where that loss of identity comes in. And the, the flip side of that is you get to create who you want to be. There's just a lot of anger that can be behind that around having to make that choice when it's not one that you wanted to make. Yeah. When you're forced into something, you're like, I, I don't want to do this. This, this is not what I, this is not how I want to change my identity. Um, I had found, you know, when I was scrolling through my phone at uh, you know, all late hours, because that's my only free time that I have. And for some reason, I decided to do that instead of sleep. But I found this um, on a website, it's called decorjunkie.com. And it's a beautiful picture of a woman, Jill, I'm going to show it to you. And so it's a 
um, a silhouette of a woman blowing a butterfly. And it says, I love the woman I've become because I've fought to become her. And I feel like that really resonates with me because it wasn't a choice for me to have cancer twice, but I did. And I've taken it and through the support of Breast Friends and the community that I have made and the support I've been given, I, I've changed so much in the person that I am. And as I just, I feel very, I feel very lucky that I've been able to take that and move through that trauma because it is a trauma. Um, and I love how you mentioned that the antidote to anxiety is curiosity. I've never, I've never really come across that before. So I, I love that. But how about fear? Because fear also comes after a trauma and a diagnosis. What do we do with the fear? Yeah, it's important to recognize emotions and not ignore our fears and saying you're fine when you're not and only pushes it down. And that emotion is going to erupt later at a time you probably don't want it to. Mm -hmm. Over something that really doesn't matter at all. Because, yes, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you left that glass there. And it becomes, you know, a, a crying jag because it's it's not about the glass. It's about some other stuff that's never been dealt with. Yeah, yeah. And it's those tiny frustrations that can all of a sudden create something like, how could they possibly be out of my favorite brand of bread at the store? <laughs> and, and you find yourself crying at the store. So it's important to know that anxiety is going to come up. And it's going to come up at, at very specific times. And it's going to come up when we least expect it. So it's going to come up around the anniversary of a diagnosis. It's going to come up around doctor's appointments. And it's, it's knowing that, and that's that getting massively curious piece mm-hmm. to, you know, because we want to face our fears. We want to just like say, hey, I see you. Let's, let's do this. And getting curious can be looking like, what do I know for sure? What do I need to know? Who can help me? And it's starting with these real foundational questions to make the next right step for you, which may be the different step than for someone else. But it, it goes back to being curious, educating yourself, finding out everything you can. That's very good advice. I love those steps. And just stopping when you're having, when you're starting to have that anxiety moment, just really stop and, and ask yourself those questions. So that's definitely, definitely good things to write down. I need to go back and write those down. <laughs> um, and so we've, we've kind of talked about trauma and the emotions that go with them. How can having a coach help with tough things that are going on in your life? Oh, I think it's important to have, you know, when those, when those fears and anxieties come up and you don't know what to do with them, that's when, you know, a, a coach, a therapist, it could be your minister, it's having someone that you can go to as a resource outside of what you already have. And maybe they become part of your, part of your team, mm-hmm. but maybe they're just, a, a you know, I'm going to go see this person for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, but it, it gets into when we have a crisis, everything that's important comes to the forefront. And with all that noise going on between the, in our head with the fear and the anxiety and the what ifs, we forget sometimes what's really important and that that can anchor us. So maybe our values have shifted and where we once valued being really busy, now we may value the, the quiet and solitude of just being with our immediate family. 
Mm-hmm. And it's being able to talk those out and sort that out. And what do I want this to look like? And at various times in a cancer diagnosis, you're going to need different levels of support. Mm-hmm. And so this would be towards, this is when you are stepping out into what do I want to, what do I want this to look like? Who am I now? Sure. This is where a coach can really help you figure that out for yourself because just there's no, no one has an answer for you. We all have the answer within us, but it's again, it's being able to quiet that nervous system so we can get to that place and not make decisions based out of fear or anxiety, but based off of what's really true for us. I hope that answers that. Oh, completely. And as you're, as you're talking about it, I'm thinking of the people that I have pulled into my life for support. Obviously I have, I have a great, great friends and family, but they have not had cancer. So they don't understand that aspect of it. My husband is a rock and he's amazing. My parents, my sister, it's just, they all are a hundred percent here for me, but they don't understand certain things. And the women that I have met on my journey and also the support people that I have found, um, I started doing myofascial therapy for helping with a lot of different things in my body. And she, my, my practitioner has become a good friend and almost like a counselor because when we're in there for my sessions, she's doing body work on me and we talk and we share and she listens and is, is supportive. And then I also have um, a new acupuncturist who is kind of doing the same thing. So I keep finding people to add to my team to listen and allow me to talk out these situations on my own because yes, you know, I, I have not hired a coach, but I feel like I've, I've found people in my life who've become coaches and listeners and people that, that really care and want to support. So I think that is critical to our, our healing journeys. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you have reached out and and found those people and acupuncture is amazing. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. I, it's hilarious because I am one of those people that hates needles. I grew up with, my doctor was old. We're talking like he delivered my, my aunt and then he delivered me and my sister. So he was ancient. He loved those giant penicillin shots in the butt. And it literally traumatized my sister and I forever to needles. So it's taken me a long time to get over that. And my first acupuncture appointment, I was a mess. I sweated through the table and everything. And then once I did it, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. You can get a great nap. Yes. And uh, the herbal medicine is also helping me with my hot flashes. So thank you, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I cannot recommend getting, if you don't have a coach, get a team of people because they will definitely help you. And if you can't work it out with those people, then find Jill. (laughs) Because we all need someone. Um, So what are your thoughts on, we've unfortunately experienced a really rough year at Breast Friends. We've lost many women um, to cancer. And what are your thoughts on how you cope with the death of a family member or a beloved friend? Oh, that's tough. And I'm so sorry. It's a hard one. It's been been a rough year, not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. So this might be time to touch your rose crystal or Mm yes, yes. And, you know, grief and mourning look so different for everyone. And the process involved involves so many different layers, as we've uh, talked about, the way we, we express that and are, are just different for everyone. And time 
and support are your greatest allies. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I had some, you know, magical way to, to help people through that, but it's really just honoring how you feel. And if you feel like talking about it and find those that you can talk with that can hear you in the way you need to be heard. And if you don't want to talk about it, then let them know that too. And that you will when you're ready because the stages of grief are, they're not linear and they're not a directive. I'm going to go from here to here to here and then be done. You may bounce back and forth over time. It, there's no timeline, you know, it's, that's the thing of grief and being human is that we have these emotions and sometimes it's like a tidal wave and sometimes it's just like a little ripple, ripple in the, in the river. And so it's really just honoring what you're feeling in the moment and having the support to, to help you if you need that. And this is where self-care becomes so important and it's having those people you can talk to going to acupuncture, it's going for a walk out in the, the quiet. Mm-hmm. It's, it's doing what makes you feel connected to that part of you that you are missing. Sure. I can understand that definitely. And I, I'm actually having a, and something that came back up right now, as we were talking about this, my beloved grandmother passed away um, January of 2020. And she, she was 85. She lived a good life. She had dementia. And then at the end she had a stroke. And when she passed, it was, it was a good thing because she, she was suffering. And, and I don't know that I ever properly grieved from it. And I, as I'm sitting here now and thinking about that, that was a huge trauma in my life. And it still is coming back because I, at the time, it was it was incredibly hard on my mom, who was her primary caregiver, and my grandmother's passing was good for my grandmother because she was in pain and suffering, but also good for my mother because it it released her from the caregiving aspect, which was killing her essentially. And I think just looking back at it now, I'm like I I think I need to go revisit some of those things, and and let let myself heal because I've held it in for so long. Yeah, and that's the beauty of, of there not being a timeline mm-hmm. is it's you get to make the choice and honor that, the, honor those feelings. And you just did a beautiful job of that, of honoring that. Well, I thank you. My, my family is, is, I'm super close with my family and it, there's still days when I pick up my phone to call her and she's not here and it sucks. And, but, you know, I'm here and I do my best to honor her life and the things that she taught me and gave me. And that's, you know, how I hope to honor her continually, but, um, sorry, enough about me. (laughs) Um, so is there a good differentiation between emotions and feelings? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is kind of a fun one because it surprises some people, but there's a difference between, um, 20% of our feelings are really what's happening in the moment and 80%. So 80% of what you think and feel are really emotions and emotions are associated with bodily reactions that are activated through neurotransmitters in our brain. So these are not conscious decisions. Feelings are the conscious experience 
of emotional reactions. So you may see a TV commercial that makes you cry. Crying is that emotional reaction that you didn't even think about. How you feel about it, you may be curious going, oh my gosh, where did that come from? Or, oh, I'm embarrassed. Or, oh, that makes me nostalgic. So that's, that's the, that, that TV commercial is the easiest way to differentiate mm-hmm. between them. I have a funny experience actually with this recently. My husband and I, we were huge fans of a television show back in the day, Sons of Anarchy. And one of the main characters in the beginning, Opie, was killed off in a very brutal way. And I sobbed for hours after that show. And it still pisses me off. Um, and yes, I know it's TV. But he, the character was actually on a children's movie recently that I saw. And it brought back all of those feelings. And I actually teared up a little bit. <laughs> we were so invested in that show and I'm still like how could they kill him and my husband just laughs at me (laughs) (laughs) sorry that is funny completely random um so is fear would that be a feeling or an emotion and how would that how does that kind of factor in oh well fear is an interesting one our brains have one job and that's to keep us safe and the brain's go-to mechanism is fear. And without fear, we would walk out in front of a moving car or off of a, would walk off the side of a cliff. And so while we never want to, we never want to be without fear. We just don't want it taking over our lives. Right. Because we would never leave the house. Exactly. Exactly. And it all really comes back to a sense of balance and a sense of self-care, taking care of yourself so that that fear is not overwhelming. And that's just kind of that, that teeter-totter effect of, of finding that balance in life because that fear is always going to be there. And that's just your brain's way of scanning. It's constantly scanning for, for danger and what may be unsafe. And once it's deemed something unsafe, it will always view that as unsafe. So then it's getting into, and we would get into like limiting beliefs. We would get into a lot of, there's a lot of information that, that informs our fear. I love that. When you were just talking about that, it reminded me, we just rewatched the, the children's movie inside out this past weekend. And it's such an amazing representation of, I believe it's joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger, all the things in our brain. And they're all working to working against each other at the same time. And how, you know, joy is trying to make everybody happy. And then fear comes in or like, don't touch that. Don't do that. Um, so I recommend everyone. We watch that movie, even though it's a kid's movie. It's fabulous. <laughs> yes, um, I agree. <laughs> but we do need to take another quick break. So please stay with us. Listeners out there, if you can, please donate to Breast Friends to help women so they do not go through cancer alone. You can go to our website, breastfriends.org, or text BF Radio to 41444. Stay with us. We'll be back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time 
for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Michelle Beck, and we've been talking with Jill Anderson about trauma and all of the emotions that can go with it and how we move out of it. Now, Jill, one phrase that I have heard a lot, and people say it all the time, is just let it go. What, how are we supposed to just let it go, and what does that really mean? Right. <laughs> Question of the times. A lot of times on our social media feeds, they'll be inundated with just those quotes. Mm-hmm. Just be positive stay positive things, or you're a negative person. And there's this whole narrative that keeps us away from seeing not just each other, but even ourselves. The reality is life is fragile and hard things happen. And Dr. Susan David gave an amazing interview with Brene Brown, and they talked about this very, very thing. And it was what we talked about earlier when we said, you know, I'm fine, but I'm not fine. Inside, I'm really feeling all these emotions, but there's no place to go talk to about them. And Dr. Susan David, when she was doing this interview, said, if you were to write down on a list of, uh, make a list on a piece of paper of all the things that you're feeling in this last year, which would probably be overwhelmed and fear and wary. And then that same person said, now flip that piece of paper over and write out all the things that you're grateful for. You could do that, but what that's really doing is making us more fragile because then we're living in the world as we wished it was, which is grateful, when in fact, what we're really living is fear and weary and overwhelm. Mm -hmm. And so when people say, just let it go, there is some power in being able to do that, but that's our timeline. And it's in a way that feels right for us. Because that just let it go can feel like a command or a judgment, you know, Mm -hmm. well, they're still holding on to this and they're fine. You should be done with your emotions by now. Your hair is back. You're good. When inside you're not, you're still feeling this turmoil and this turbulent ocean of what just happened to me. And that's because our body is still experiencing it and the brain Again, it's only there to keep us safe. That's its one main job. And it still senses fear. It still senses anxiety. And so when people say, just let it go, they have the best of intentions. But the truth of the matter is the only way we can really let it go is when we come to grips with what we're feeling and then searching out that new felt sense of safety inside of peace of calm of whatever you, whatever it is you would want to search for 
that's that's my take on just let it go. Yeah, I love that. And it's kind of like telling someone to relax has never in the lifetime of the world made someone actually relax. <laughs> because- right, because if it was that easy, they would go, Oh, wow. oh okay. I wonder why I didn't think of that. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's really something that we have to work through on our own in our own time. And that's that's definitely one of the important lessons I think that I'm getting from this today. Um, I want to ask you about something else, which is another sub tough subject to talk about. And I've definitely experienced that called survivor's guilt. And in my first cancer diagnosis, I was I'm very lucky in both my cancer diagnosis. They were caught very early. But after the first time I was a member of a young survivors group, I would go in person and I would share my quote unquote little cancer story because my treatment was easy. I had a lumpectomy and radiation and then I moved on and I'm sitting in meetings with women who are going through living with Mets who had, you know, full bilateral mastectomies and all the surgeries and the chemo and the hair loss. And I felt really guilty that I didn't, experience all of those things. And so I kind of stopped going to the meetings because I struggled with that because I didn't have to go through all of the awful things that they did and that I was still here. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. That's a powerful story. Survivor's guilt is often felt, guilt is often felt due to a sense of powerlessness and Cancer is really good at making people feel powerless. Taking away all of your control. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And the guilt is brought on by a search for fairness. It's a search for making sense of something that doesn't make any sense. And it's in there that we compare ourselves to, this is what I'm doing. This person did all the right things and didn't survive. Mm-hmm. And so again, it goes back to me trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. And that's, that's where guilt comes from. Mm-hmm. And it's a very common reaction, especially, especially in cancer. And it may come up at various times in our lives. And this goes back again to really having a sense of purpose and having that, that support group where you can go share those things because none of those women would ever wish you to even be in that room of course. in any form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's really, it's really understanding what's behind it and what's behind it is that search for reason. We're looking for clarity. We're looking for something that explains what the heck is really going on here and why. Sure. And like- we're never going to find that. And, you know, why, why were they given this path and I was given this other path? And, you know, we, we've all heard the words in those groups, you have cancer, but it's, you know, how, how did I get quote unquote, so lucky with my cancer while others, it's just been completely devastating. And that's definitely something that working the way I do and with everyone at Breast Friends, it's, it's challenging because we want to be there to support other women and, it's not, it's not easy. It's, it's amazingly fulfilling and wonderful, but it's, it's not easy, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing of where I'm at today. So. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your, your story with me. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, I want to talk about change because it's part of our lives and trauma can cause change. 
it's 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 such a scary thing and some people thrive on it and others just dread it how what's a good i i know we could talk for hours about change but what's a couple quick things that we could kind of give our listeners to to really help work through some things well changing from one set of circumstances to another it just takes time it's something we can't rush and the important thing to remember is really just taking it taking it slowly, taking it one day at a time. This change has been thrust upon you and yet you're still going to take your time in working through that. Nothing can rush, nothing can rush you through that part. And the anxiety as much, as much piece, as we want it to be rushed through and to be over. Yes. Yes. It would be lovely if we could just snap our fingers and it was done. And there can be a lot of anxiety about the unknown mm-hmm. and what might happen and the what ifs. And when we get, when we get too far out in the future, that's where anxiety happens. It's when we're, we're too focused out there. So it, it really comes back to being mindful and being in the moment. And this is where it's really important to notice what you're feeling inside and, you know, how you orient to your room is really important, how you orient to your surroundings. And so notice the sounds you're you're hearing and that will bring you back into the present moment. Notice the things you can see, you know, notice the things you could possibly smell. If you have a cup of coffee or you're near a a pizza, something, (laughs) you'll you'll be able to sense that. Something that will bring you back into the present moment. And the, the change, Change happens regardless. That's, that's the only thing that's certain in life is that it's going to change, right? Mm-hmm. So we're focusing in on what's happening right now. And it, it's really getting present. It's tuning in. Deep breaths. It's just scrunching your shoulders again, just letting them go. And from there, you can make a more informed decision. And so it would somewhat be you're changing your perspective, because you're, you know, it's, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm anxious about this and there's this and there's change. But if you stop and think about it, you can, you can change your own perspective actively. Absolutely. Finding support and keeping as many routines as familiar as possible is really important. Mm -hmm. And then discovering what is my new perspective? What do I want to see? What do I want to be? And this, this change is happening. So don't get anxious, get really present, get clear and find out, you know, that that's what perspective is, is, is getting on the other side of something or looking at it from a different angle and coming at it from that way. That's that very helpful. I'm going I'm to put a big note in my car, even perspective, like change, change the way we look at things actively because that those are the steps in healing and getting through things. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times regulating our nervous system and I imagine the breathing is a big part of this. And is it possible to reset your own nervous system? Yeah, it, it is. Earlier, I, I talked about Dr. Peter Levine and that trauma originates as a response in our nervous system. And I keep, I keep saying those words because that's what's, that's what's underneath all of us. That's what's driving everything that we're feeling. And again, through being mindful, we can downregulate that nervous system, but it's very intentional. If you think of a, if you think of the, the example I heard that I love the best was if you think of a river 
and a section of the river gets wiped out, the, the bank of that river gets collapsed. The water spills over there. And if you're in a canoe or a raft, your canoe or your raft is going to get drawn to that new, in that new current. And you can think of that current as the trauma current. And so you might, you know, skirt to the other edge of the bank all the time to avoid that. And what we want to do with regulating the nervous system is just learn how to calmly go through the center of the river so that you're not getting drawn off into the, the trauma aspect of it. You're not having to hide or play small down here. But it's, it's, it goes back to how you orient to yourself and your surroundings. And that's where you begin to regulate that nervous system. But it, it can be. It just takes time. Time and practice. Um, yes. We've only got a couple more minutes, but I, I want to talk about self-compassion and why that is so important. Oh, self-compassion is really just being gentle and kind to ourselves. And this is doing those things that are just lovely. It's, it's having a cup of tea in the morning, looking out the window. It's when we make a mistake, instead of going, God, why did I do that? You know, talk to, your, talk to yourself like you would a small child. You know, hey, it's okay. We've got this. It's, it's being kind to ourselves is what self-compassion is all about. And it goes back to self-care and the importance of really taking care of, of yourself. I, that's, I say something all the time and to other people, give yourself some grace. Talk to yourself as if you would, you give advice to a best friend when they're going through a hard time. Remember that for yourself because we're so much harder on ourselves than anyone else ever would be. And if we treated ourselves like we treated others with kindness and compassion, life would be a lot better for us, I think. Yeah, it would. And when, when little kids are learning to walk and they fall down, you know, we don't go, get up. Mm -hmm. We go, oh, look what you did. You took two steps. You know, it's, it's progress and it's being gentle. Yeah. Yes. And we are almost out of time. But one, I want to really quick talk about leaning into joy. Yes, yes. As we move, we move through life in kind of a rhythm and we can become habituated in our rhythm. And so it's really important to kind of examine this, you know, idea of this is just who I am. This is what I've always done, you know, and we can gently and lovingly look at, oh, what are maybe some things I could do? Because trauma is that disruptor that trauma takes us away from joy. Trauma takes us out of relationship with many, many things. And so leaning into joy, finding out what you love is going to help you. Yes. Perfect, Jill. Thank you so much for being here today. We could talk for hours, but unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, listeners, you can find Jill at jillandersoncoaching.com for more information or to reach out to her for yourself, because I know I've benefited so much today. Um, if you are a loved one, need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can also donate there or text BF radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. We'll be back next week. And until then, remember we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to breast friends, cancer support network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific 12 p.m. Eastern time on the voice America health and wellness channel. We rise by lifting each other.